guys, it's Joe Garcia, Playboy's Gamer Next Door, and you're hearing it here on Versus Node Podcast on GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 25 of the Versus Node podcast. I'm Eddie Inzotto, editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com, and your host. I'm here today with a great bunch of guys, two GamerNodians, and a special guest. We'll start with Jason Finelli here again. How you doing, Jason? Good, good. The countdown is on. The countdown is on. To those who don't know, Jason is getting married in how many days? It's the, we're coming into the home stretch. Now I'm getting to the point where I'm typing out all the programs and making sure the menu is what we want it to be and, and finalizing the table placements and all that good stuff. The, the, the real nitty-gritty of the wedding process. I and understand you, that you have like a particular song that you're entering the reception to. Is that correct? That has changed, actually. Right. I know it's, I know it's not what it once was, but you it, still it have a not, specific song. Yes, yes. It is not the uh, Skyrim theme anymore. <laughs> Which would have been awesome. <laughs> It would have been. I uh, I had to compromise with with songs that people would know, and I have a lot more friends that are fans of professional wrestling than I have oh, video gamers. No. So every one of my groomsmen and bridesmaid couples are coming into a different theme song, and I get Hulk Hogan. Yes, that's the best <laughs> ever. That's incredible. <laughs> I get Hulk Hogan, which I'm okay with. And I'm I'm tempted to uh, I don't know if she can hear me, but I'm tempted to uh, feather boa the shit out of that entrance. I don't know if I'm gonna yes. do it, but yes. I tried to get like a T-shirt that said "Single Life" and just rip it off, but I don't think she's feeling that. So uh, anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving on to Dan, who's been talking already. How you doing? Hey, <laughs> is that the, I never, yeah, I never really know when we're doing intros to podcasts. Is it like, hey, shut up until someone says your name, or else you don't exist yet. <laughs> you don't exist. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the rules actually, but yeah, um, but we do have permitted. Okay. We do have a super pro podcaster with us today, joining us all the way from across the pond in good old. London, England, Saint Ancaba. What's up, dude? Hello. <laughs> this is I, for the first time in like twenty-nine years. I want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> because of theme songs? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I was all. I'm just. I think I've got about five hundred different songs I want to choose. Nice. Five hundred different weddings. It's Why don't tough, you just man. have a reception? No, you don't, you don't need to get married. Just have the reception. That too. I'm going to just have the reception. I'm not even going to have a girl. I'm just going to come out. <laughs> You're going to be married to life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, just kidding, guys. I just wanted to come out to theme music. Be a sick birthday party. A fake wedding reception for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, it would be a good birthday party. It's my birthday today. I, I know. Is, I, is, that, yes. is that your... Is that your way of hinting? That was my way of, about yes. that? I, I, I wanted to put something on your Facebook, and I did, and I realized, wait, nobody else has said happy birthday on his Facebook, so I wonder if that's a fake birthday, so I deleted it. I wasn't sure. Oh, I'm my. pretty sure I got in there first. That's the, that's the thing about being in the UK. Yeah, you see, I could, American birthdays. Very true. <laughs> you Americans in your days of birth. Yeah. Crazy. Living five hours in the past. I know, right? <laughs> 
I like the idea that game journalists have so like so few celebratory moments that they just long for a good entrance. It's like, like there's no time in a game journalist's life where they're celebrated ever. <laughs> Unless they make it for themselves. Next episode of Versus Node, we all get intro music. There you go. I That's like that. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Not I call Tiny Tim having a wonderful time. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, that's next time. This is this time. We're going to be talking about multiplayer gaming, because everyone plays multiplayer games, or maybe not everybody, but a vast majority of players probably have tried out a multiplayer game setting at least once in their gaming career. So, what makes multiplayer so appealing and so compelling? Because everything has multiplayer nowadays. And the, the way that I thought about this podcast topic was because for my birthday, I decided to sit down and play Dark Souls. And that was my birthday present to myself. Just hours right. and hours. Is your birthday every day? <laughs> no, you know, I haven't played it in a long time. So yeah. I was thinking about, you know, different types of multiplayer and how it's, how it's uh, evolved over time. So, I mean, you guys play multiplayer games, right? I hope so. Yeah, try to. Yeah. What's, um... Let's start this off different. Instead of coming to our conclusion at the end, let's conclude at the beginning. What is your favorite multiplayer game of this generation, Jason? Oh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um... All right, let's do this. Let's actually circle back to favorite games. Let's start off with um, why you guys think we're seeing so much multiplayer nowadays, you know, as opposed to maybe in a, a previous generation of consoles or or, or earlier. Like, it seems like everything has a multiplayer component nowadays. Um, do you think that people's preferences are changing? Do you think, you know, there's something inherent about the way that we're playing games or the way that we want to play games that changes what what we demand to be built for us, you know, in our in our game experiences? What do you, what do you think, Sinan? Well, okay, the... There's sort of two layers to this answer. So I think the real question we're we're answering, um, which one I answer is why do publishers, why are publishers putting more multiplayer games out there? Mm-hmm. Um, why do they think that there's more demand for multiplayer, um, or do they think there's more demand for multiplayer, or is it just that they want to tick boxes? That's that's the sort of thing. I'm not sure. Um, is, it, is it their decision? Is it not the developers? I think I think publishers. I mean, you know, so like say something like Bioshock Two, right? Was that really the developer's decision? Oh man, that, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to go to. Also, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are so many games like that. Uncharted Two, as well, um, mm-hmm. and then Uncharted Three after it. You know, there are uh, Dead Space Two, I think, as well. Oh, um, God. all these yeah. games where you just you wouldn't ever have gone to multiplayer there. And funny enough, in each one of those, the multiplayer is not as bad as you thought it would be. But that's not the point. Um, it's just it, it it seems shoehorned in, right. So I guess the question is like, what, I don't know. Is it is it is there more demand, or are publishers more wary of ticking boxes and trying to make sure that their games have every single feature? It's a good um, question. No, okay, so I th- I think that it ticking the box is motivated by something else, um, and I, I would have to argue that the motivator there is just money. Um, and I'll base that on the idea that if you have people who are continuing to play your game, they will not only bring in other folks to play the game with them, you know, word of mouth sales, that kind of thing, um, but also opens up the space for DLC sales a ton. I mean, you know, 
where you can also get into the whole freemium model of microtransactions and everything, but let's just, you know, talking about a game like Modern Warfare. Um, you're not going to have people paying 15 bucks for a ding dang map pack if they're not playing the game for, you know, for months, right? They, they've committed to that. It's a part of their lifestyle at some point. I mean, it was for me when I was really into it, you know, come home, play this thing for like three hours. And if you, if you want to mix that up, then boom, $15. So I, I think. So, so what you're saying, like multiplayer lets a game become a platform, which you can then start, you know, if the player it sustains the game and means yeah. you can start releasing DLC and getting yeah. more money out of them. Well, and I think if you look at the evidence, it's, it's pretty clear. Go to Bioshock two is, is one of them. You have a ton of these just stupid, stupid little masks and things that you can buy. Nothing, you know, nothing that actually changes the gameplay, but you can buy all these masks and hats and, I mean, and that's all over the place, obviously. But, um, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to convince someone to do that if it was a single player game. You right. wouldn't be like, you know, oh, okay, just play through the campaign again, but this time look like a rabbit or something. You know, like no one no one would do that. So you think if you're looking at sequels, it may diminish the amount of time that that game has left players' minds as well. Yeah. No, I mean the the longer I'm sure that there's data to back this up. Um, I'm don't have the data but i'm i'm sure that it's there someone get the data someone get the data yeah somebody find this data that um that the longer someone spends with the game the more willing they are to spend money on it right Mm -hmm. Uh, you just have to look at um which single player games are the ones that do release dlc and they're the big open world games that you play for months and months you know the skyrims the fables the fallouts mm -hmm. those are the ones that only really can release a DLC with a new content because if you try to release something for a game which was only ten hours long, who's who's playing it still? Right. But yeah, like if someone they tried to come out with an extra campaign mission for Modern Warfare Three, ain't nobody uh, nobody's going to get that. They're more focused on the multiplayer. They want maps. They don't want more single player mission, campaign missions. The, the Spec Ops co op stuff maybe, but not not maps. Not not I'm sorry, not missions, not campaign missions. I don't that wouldn't sell at all. I don't think. Um, but if you ask me, as far as the whole why multiplayer, it goes back to the old arcade mindset where you you go to this place and you're you're going there to play other people in these games. Either you're playing with them in like Ninja Turtles or the old X Men arcade game, or you're playing against them in Street from Street Fighter Two all the way up to the racing games that you actually sit your body into. It's just bringing that mindset home. So now you're not just playing against. Um, you know, AI, or even, you don't even have to have somebody sitting next to you. You can now get on and play against a world full of people whenever you want. And companies are seeing that and they want to cash in on as best they can. Whether it works all the time, probably not always. But when it does, obviously it's successful. Hmm. I just want to kind of follow up on Jason's point because I think that's really important because, and it goes with Dan's thing, because if you've got a kind of arcade uh, mentality, you're going to build up a community. And this is why games like Call of Duty and uh, and Street Fighter, Battlefield, they're so successful because they build up communities who, not even just in the game themselves, you know, forums and uh, whatever, who will, you know, keep talking, keep playing the game and sustain it that way. So, um, you know, it's, diff- it's harder to do that with a single-player game unless it's going to be like a water-cooler game, like Skyrim. Yeah. So, I was actually just going to say that too, is that um, it's a, almost a new type of multiplayer that that interaction outside of the game becomes a game in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. 
Well, and and I guess I I feel like I was coming across as like, well, there's a bunch of money grubbing assholes. Like, no, I don't think that's the case. I think like, yeah, tactile multiplayer sucks, but you know, for multiplayer that's done well, like that's a really good thing. And and it's also, I I mean, from my perspective, really awesome if game developers and publishers make more money. Like, I'm actually very much in support of that. I hope that they do very well with their games. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that they make measured decisions with the gamers in mind when they're talking about rolling out DLC or what have you. Uh, but I, I do think it's a good thing that we're building those communities, that that arcade mentality is such a core part of multiplayer. Um, because, I mean, just the relational aspect of multiplayer also, which is something that I completely ignored, but the, the whole relational aspect is, I mean, you you can't overvalue that. That's huge. You know, how people relate to each other. I, there was a girl who lived in my freshman dorm in college who dated a guy over World of Warcraft. Um, hmm. And so, you know, she would just always be in her room, just playing away, chatting with him. When he showed up for like three days, like nobody went near that room. Nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> Because it must have been super intense, like wow situation in there. But, <laughs> but I mean that's and th- that's not like an isolated thing. I know that that happens outside of wow or or or, uh, or just people growing friendships on online communities as well. So, I hate to be like I don't know grandfather PC or whatever, but you know back in the day on PC, <laughs> uh, you know like this was happening back in the nineties, right? With first person shooters, this is not this is not new. This is just new to consoles because we got online connectivity mm. for consoles. But you know we're talking like Quake, uh, Unreal Tournament, Doom. All these games were supporting communities with the same things that Jason was talking about essentially back then. Um, but but now um, that's moved to consoles. And with it, that it's changed because it's become much more commercial orientated. Yeah. Right. Now, I wanted to to come off of that, the mention of uh, tacked on multiplayer, and question you guys about this. Do you think, or how important do you think it is that a multiplayer component be a real part of the primary? game world or or game mode as opposed to something that is fundamentally isolated or or somehow separate from what you experience as a single player in that game. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of multiplayers may not have anything to do with what's going on in, in, say, the story of the game. Is that a big deal? Does that play a part in how someone connects with that multiplayer or that game? I I used to think that it did, like when when um, Bioshock Two still had not come out and they were talking about that multiplayer and they're like it's super story driven. I was like super. I was really convinced about that. I was like, yeah, like this is gonna change the way that people approach multiplayer and we're gonna think about it totally differently. And then of course it came out and it was like, hey, here's this audio log. Now go shoot these people. So you know it was not. <laughs> it didn't end up being. And that's just one example. I think you see that over and over. I, no, I don't think it matters. I think the best example of awesome integration of uh, multiplayer, in this case co-op, and a story um, that I've seen recently would be the Splinter Cell Conviction, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if you've played through the co-op campaign there, but the ending is incredible! Um, <laughs> and it really sort of just flips it on its head um, in, in a way that is based in the gameplay. 
It's not even like a story thing. It's not even like, listen to this person tell you that you should care about this. It's like you immediately care about it because of what you're doing and how you're playing. Um, and I think the more games that can do that, the better off multiplayer will be. Mm-hmm. I think I think what you're asking depends more on the name on the box also. Like people people who pick up a Call of Duty game know that even though the multiplayer maps or arenas are set in the campaign stages as they're not related. You play the campaign for the story, you play the multiplayer to meet up with your friends. So when if you buy a Call of Duty game, you know that going in, so it doesn't matter if they're related other than aesthetic reasons. In a game like Mass Effect, or, or a, a single-player game like that that is bringing multiplayer in for the first time, because the single-player is so story-driven, and it, it's just the nature of the beast, your multiplayer then has to complement that somehow. And the way that they did it with missions that will add to your progress in the single-player game, no matter how trivial that progress seems, it gives the people who are invested in the single-player more of a reason to at least try the multiplayer instead of just ignoring it outright. So yeah. I, for, for me, it's more of what franchise are we talking about here? Because like in the Bioshock's case, they said it was story-driven, but it wasn't. And Dead Space 2, I didn't even play the multiplayer, but based on Dan's reaction, I'm sure it's more of the same. <laughs> yeah. So, like, <laughs> not effect. so great. I had, I mean, this is another one. I had super high hopes for it, and nope. <laughs> Turns out. So in Mass Effect's case, where it's strictly co-op multiplayer, the better you do, the better your single-player ending becomes. That that was a, I feel that was a smart and effective decision, and they pulled it off. Okay. What do you guys think about the way Gears of War does it? To me, because that's four-player cop all the way through, and it feels in the same way that sort of Call of Duty feels like this. The, the single-player almost feels like a training for the multiplayer, but in in with Gears of War, it feels like this sort of social training, almost. It's it's weird. It, I feel more like I'm ready for the multiplayer in Gears of War because I'm already kind of playing multiplayer already. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think that's a great example. And, um... Yeah, why don't we why don't we talk about that? What are some of the best examples of the different types of multiplayer that we see nowadays? I mean, that that would be sort of a hybrid multiplayer system, right? Because you have the the whole cooperative component running through the game, and then you also have this multi, this uh, competitive or, or adversarial component where you're using all those same skills that you used in the the we'll say campaign mode to then take it to this uh, deathmatch sort of mode. And yeah, I would definitely say that Gears of War, I'm, I'm a fan of the way that they do that because either the single, you know, the, I keep saying single, the cooperative mode or the competitive mode are uh, high quality game experiences. Like they don't sacrifice one for the other. Um, but uh, how, about, how about just a straight up competitive style uh, multiplayer. What do you guys think are the the best examples of straight competition in video games? And I, here comes a completely biased answer. Here it comes. But fighting games, it's just one on one, primal, mm-hmm. some skill, some luck, back and forth. Whoever wins at the end all wins. Right, next all right, round. hold on, hold on. What's your, what's the example that fighting games is? Street Fighter. Of, a lot of different. Street Fighter. Okay. Street Fighter. Super Street Fighter Four specifically. Yeah. Okay. Are we, oh, we going to include like? Um, 
Smash Bros or anything in there or no? Well, Smash Brothers take is is a little more of being able to manage a manic situation. Street Fighter is literally just one on one, two people. There's no outside interference. It's literally just who's better than the other guy on that given day. Skill against skill alone. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, Smash Brothers, you get more into a party aspect where, like, not only are you fighting this guy, but this idiot can come at any time and screw it up. And if you leave items on, watch out, because that affects the game so much that the competitive people have to turn the items off. Um, I, I will say I have seen a, a semi-professional tournament of Super Smash Brothers where they did do one-on-ones and they you know got rid of all the items everything and it was super intense and I <laughs> talked to the guys about it um there's like wave dashing and canceling and oh, like, yeah. there's there are actually a ton of really intricate pieces to it and they're like Oh man, dude, Super Smash Bros. Brawl is total bullshit. Like it's all about melee, man. It's, you like you yeah. like, no. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's there's yeah. a politic about the whole thing that you wouldn't even suspect. Um, because they can't because they took all the glitches out of Brawl, so those people can't, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They can't use those glitches to their advantage. Yeah. So yeah. they they get all pissed off and go back to melee when in reality brawl is a superior <laughs> yeah. game but that's a different discussion for a different day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you guys just went somewhere that I have never approached yeah. in, <laughs> in my I gaming just, career. My and, and, that. and it really doesn't matter because once Smash 4 comes out, everyone's going to go to that anyway. So Yeah. I'm I'm all about Street Fighter. Um, you know, and and a very what I consider a game based completely around the person's skill at using their characters. Maybe not completely, that's kind of tough to say. But Brawl, I just don't get involved in. (laughs) I think one of my favorite competitive multiplayer games is probably Words with Friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really simple, awesome game. It's Scrabble on your phone. Yeah, I mean, that's true. There's, I, there's, unfortunately, there's not a lot to say about that. Yeah. It's just, yep. that, that, and um, what's the Zanan and I have been draw we're, something. We're playing this draw something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also awesome. I mean, I'm terrible at it, but it's a lot of fun. I think we, I've um, learned more about Dan from draw something than I have from ever talking. To <laughs> True. <laughs> draw something. Yeah. I would place in as a as a hybrid, uh, cooperative, competitive sort of system because you're really just playing together to succeed but you're also maybe the way you play i mean yeah seriously (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm very competitive my girlfriend uh, i I have i've played draw something with some folks who straight up will draw the wrong thing (laughs) i was just gonna ask how how do you be competitive and then i guess yeah drawing the wrong thing (laughs) but but by drawing the right thing you earn coins for yourself yeah, no, I know. Right. It's, they're just idiots, but it's, yeah. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can't draw. Fine. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there, go with a slightly out there example or a couple of out there examples. Um, Trials HD. Okay. Yep. I think that's probably the best example of competitive multiplayer we've seen in the generation. Trials HD specifically, not Evolution, because, and it's, I don't I haven't seen other people talk about it so much. Taking that thing from the top, where you could see like how you know much better you were than the other person, like it, it just in evolution they change it to this kind of thing where you see where the other person is in the map, where you see it, it just didn't work as well. Whereas in the when you had the sort of bar at the top displaying your friends, it was like it's like it's almost like an experience bar, and you just want to get to the right to the end of the experience bar. Mm-hmm. Um, 
first. And yeah, that game had me hooked to beating like the most trivial <laughs> times and things like people that no one would ever care about. Uh, I, I got so obsessed with that game. Um, but the way when you're playing, at least in Trials HD, is that you can see how you're doing at any given time. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's what that's the difference with evolution. It's it's difficult. It's harder to tell how you're doing at any given time in evolutions, and that's why I kind of disliked it compared to Trials HD. Um, but yeah, another one which is a bit out there is Hotshots Golf World Tour. I think it's called in America or Five. Maybe I'm not sure. The latest one, anyway, not the Vita one, the PS3 one. But Vita one can count anyway, just because I've never been into golf in my entire life, and then I played this game. It was like, ah, it's just so. It's got the most intricate like grade system where you are ranked, but you know, compared to how you're doing against other people, it it just oh, because it's kind of um, a kind of arcade attempt uh, approach to golf. You don't you don't really have to know golf. You don't have to care, but the whole grade system, the whole like having to get a certain amount of wins to get rank up, it's so compelling in that game in, in this weird way. And I think one of the big things of it is that it had a a really sort of um, visual lobby. It was a bit like um, like PlayStation Home, but Japanese and anime-ish. Um, so you mm. go into the lobby before you play play a game, right? And you would be seeing all the people there and talking to them. And you just sort of start making friends and then inevitably that becomes rivalries. Because you're seeing the same names pop up over and over again. Because it was a very sort of um, close-knit kind of server. Not many people were playing that game in, in Europe and America. So, um, yeah, it just became very, very close-knit, very competitive. And... Um, I think it was just the nature of that. It, the game itself maybe not that special, but just the kind of the community that built up there was really, really uh, engrossing. Are th- are there like microtransactions or anything associated with that game, or, is it, or do um, they they, have, they like, don't ex- milk it? Extra courses, but it was never really sort of. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't so much that. Um, okay, uh, good. Maybe they could have easily been that, but it, uh, I, I don't think they quite realised it was going to be as long running because that sort of same community were playing that game. They still are playing that game four or five years on, which is ridiculous for, if you think about it, a arcade golf game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was just a, this one-off strange occurrence. I don't know, maybe when the next PS3 one comes, we'll see if it happens again, but I, I doubt it. I think it was just a weird one-off. Hmm. Did you have a third example or was, was those two? Not for competitive multiplayer. Okay, okay. Well, I, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, uh, uh. Because we can get to the really weird stuff. Just now. say it. Oh, come on. Okay, Demon Souls. No. It is not, comp- it is not comp- we'll it's still competitive. I don't know. We'll get there later. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give one. Um, basically, the, the game that really got me into multiplayer when I was at, at my peak of multiplayer gameplay was Goldeneye. On the Nintendo 64. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a prime example of a great local co-op game yeah. that is highly competitive. I thought it was it was just very well balanced in terms of the the level design and and the weapons availability and placement and everything. And that just, I mean, clearly it was at the forefront of console shooters. You know, in terms of um, competitive multiplayer. So I think th- that sort of game is incredible. Ooh. Shooters, if you're playing Goldeneye right, you're playing 
license to kill slappers only. <laughs> I mean, big come on. The big head mode. Exactly. <laughs> big head, license to kill, slappers only. DK mode, too. <laughs> DK mode. <laughs> so that's, it's a forefront of hand-to-hand combat games. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's right. Totally right. taken off, by the way. So how about uh, moving on to cooperative games? What what co-op games do you think really embody the the best of cooperative multiplayer? Well, I said Left 4 Dead earlier. Um, yep. I think those games are probably the, the the best co-op that I've ever played. But a lot could be said for a game like Castle Crashers. Yes. Yeah. I totally the, agree. The old arcade games that were brought back, like Ninja Turtles, X-Men, and uh, Simpsons Arcade. Just River those, City Ransom! Those, those manic, like, four-player <laughs> craps going all over the screen, can't pay attention to your own character type games. Um, those are awesome. I, I, I agree with, with both of those. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm on board with uh, those beat-em-ups for show. Love those games. Did anyone play Double Dragon Neon? No. No, no. I didn't. I, I love Double Dragon 2, I think it was. I love every Double Dragon ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I think, I think based on the trails I saw for Neon, I, I think my nostalgia will hurt if I play that. Oh, no. Yeah, it might. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I already... Well. I already mentioned my favorite co-op. The well, let me ask you this: Has anyone else played Splinter Cell Conviction co-op? I haven't. Mm, not co-op. It's. Uh, I mean, they're dedicated missions for that co-op. It's not this. You know, it's not like there's a map and then you just play around it. It's like single player, except the challenges are all built to accommodate uh, cooperative play. So it's really. Awesome. Is, it, is there any like kind of specific to that game co-op features, like, or is it is it just the fact that they 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 making this you know individual story. Can you call. fist bump? Is what he's asking. <laughs> That's always what I'm asking. It's <laughs> not fist bump. No. Um, uh, no, I think it's just that the mechanics of their stealth, uh, uh, the stealth mechanics of that game, which are right. also in place in the single player, but I think they work really well with co-op, especially you know I just did it split screen. Um, you know, you're just sitting there with someone, you're like, okay, hey, throw this charge, boom, I'll take out this light at the same time, three, two, one, you know, that kind of deal, which I guess Portal 2 did that pretty well um, as well with their co-op, but just in a different way. But yeah, so the ending of the co-op, though, for uh, Splinter Cell Conviction is a mind blower. It actually is really cool. It's super unexpected. All right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't skip over Portal 2. I thought it was just... Um natural like well you have two people with portals mm-hmm. and uh everything gets even crazier and that's exactly what they did they just made it go crazy i mean it, it's it's as simple as just having that whole realm of possibility from four portals and doing as much as you can with it yep i'd, I'd super agree it's a you're just adding more of the same mechanic and in this instance it turns out that it's really awesome i don't think you could do that in any game um yeah, I was just trying, trying to think, think trying of to... what other games you could you could just sort of stack on more and more of the same to complexify what you're doing. Yeah. I guess nothing besides just making it more hectic in, in right. you know, like making battles bigger in in Battlefield or something like that. This actually lets you work the game differently. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's such a specific and wonderful mechanic that it I can't think of something analogous to it. 
No, not a canard. On the other side of the coin, I'm a big fan of arcade shooters with guns, you know, where you have your buddy next to you and you really can't get any further. Also, like Contra, the games that you just can't finish at all unless you have another person with another gun next to you. House of the Dead. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Those are great co-op experiences because you really need that other person or you just lose. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's also something to playing, like, those B-movie type games like House of the Dead or... um. What was I recently playing? Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Like those games yeah, yeah. that are just like so bad they're good kind of thing. <laughs> if you just play that by yourself, it's just sad. You know, you're it's like, almost wow, like eating is... a box of donuts by yourself, right? It's kind of, it's kind <laughs> of like that, yeah. Um, and then if you play it with someone else, it's like this is hilarious. There's someone else here to appreciate this with me. And, you know, so it's, it's infinitely better just being able to share how awful it is. I cannot yeah. believe we've not said this yet. Rock okay. band, Guitar Hero. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, point. yeah, I, that that and that is exactly the same kind of thing that you just made me think of it because I just think when I'm playing Guitar Hero on my own, I'm the saddest human alive. <laughs> 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 Standing in front of my television is a little plastic guitar, but when I'm playing with my friends, we're all rock gods. Yeah. So I was um, wondering about about Rock Band, how you guys would see that, whether you would see it as a 100% cooperative gameplay experience or whether you would see some competition in that, like, oh, I did better than you, I got a higher percentage, I got more correct. Or do you think once you've put it into you know, a band setting as opposed to the original Guitar Hero, then it's more everyone's really trying to work together to be the best? Together. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right on that. I think it's... it's having as a band you'll feel like you're you're going towards one goal and because if i think there's that whole thing if one guy fucks up then <laughs> you know <laughs> it all starts getting unraveling so yeah I, I think um i i never really looked at it as competitive personally yeah anything else cooperative that you guys think is a really shiny example do you think um we were just saying uh, that there's nothing that's that really compares to Portal 2, but how about games where each player is a different member of a party and they, they each have different skills, essentially, so you kind of need to complete each other's uh, weaknesses, essentially. Well, I mean, if, I, if so I'm not mistaken, that. none of us are really big MMO players, is that right? <laughs> no? It's <laughs> an Anna big... That's a mistake button. <laughs> I'm I'm an MMO player shackled oh, okay. by games journalism. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I, I know that I have to imagine Mike Murphy is not with us right now because he's playing Guild Wars too. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty huge example of cooperative play. Right. Um, yeah, and that I, I mean, I'm just totally on the outside of that, so I, I don't have a very good perspective. It's cooperative, and it can it can also take us right into sort of more hybrid uh, multiplayer systems because you, you also have pretty big PvP elements to those games. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you think, Sinan, about the cooperative aspect? I think for a lot of people it's a huge drive. That's the reason they play. To Again, it's, it is actually close to that kind of idea of the whole community and arcadeness. I mean, it's just coming together and playing with your friends and um, getting getting used to a role. You know, it's a bit like being in an army, right? You get used to what your job is and what you're supposed to do each time. And each time you attack, you know you know your, your kind of routine. And it's almost not 
so much about the play anymore. It's just about the social uh, aspects. But you are constantly progressing. So I don't. I, I, I think it's huge to to MMOs, but it's not the be all and end all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm certainly not caught playing MMOs really. You were. I'm I'm more of a single player guy in MMOs. Oh, uh, okay. So I've played I've played uh tabletop RPGs, which is essentially an MMO <laughs> but a small scale, so I guess a, a not so massively multiplayer RPG. But, you know, you have a party and you really rely on each other uh as you're as you're going through your campaign. So I could definitely see getting involved in an MMO and never doing anything else, which is pretty much the reason why I stay away from it. Right. Another sort of similar thing is something like Team Fortress 2, uh, yeah. where where your teams are small, but you also have very, very, very specific roles, but the, all of you are working in a highly competitive setting against another team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good example. I, I'm not super familiar with Team Fortress 2 beyond what, what most people know, but uh, are you, any of you guys, Jason, Dan... You, you Team Fortress 2 players? I, I was for a while, yeah. I've dabbled, but I'm not like not big on it. Well, I think I think even from like an outside thing, you can appreciate like how much that game has done for for multiplayer. I mean, and uh, oh, it, absolutely, no kidding, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and Left 4 Dead, I feel like is huge. Left 4 Dead 2, I see people playing that all the time on Steam. Yeah, I feel like I mean, and like what longevity? When did that come out? That was like. 2009 yeah it was a good three years ago and people are still playing it all over the place mm-hmm. um, i mean granted they're still coming out with new content so that's part of it but right and talk about you talk about community uh how about league of legends uh, yeah for because yeah. that's another one where you're being highly cooperative with your team and then you're still in a in a really competitive situation but league of legends has the most ridiculous community it's like taking over the world you guys right. are any of you guys into any of the MOBAs, Defense of the Ancients, League of Legends? I mean, I was just gonna say, I'm, I, I'm like sort of, I feel like an outsider who's interested in these things. I haven't really ever played one, but I find the communities and the whole sort of because you know the whole thing with League of Legends is it's completely um, noob unfriendly. Mm. <laughs> like, that game um, was a Hero of of New Earth or something. Is that what it was called? Um, something like that. That's a really unfriendly game. Um, Dota, I don't know so much, um, but they, you know these. Super hardcore communities, really, really <laughs> into their games and getting really good at them. And if you're not, from what I understand, if you're not keeping up, you are not wanted. Mm. Yeah, well, that, I, I, that's actually something I was going to bring up is to say, you know, what's the threshold? Uh, what's the gateway look like for getting into these various, whether it's co-op or, or straight up multiplayer? Um, right. You know, in normal circumstances, when people talk about development, you hear, well, you want to make it more accessible. You want to be able to teach the gamer. Um, but there's sort of no getting around that uh, outward-facing, hardcore audience um, with a, a game like uh, League of Legends. So, I mean, is is the burden on the developer at some point to, <laughs> to come back and say, like, no, 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 here's, like, the lobby where all you noobs can play and, like, we'll gradually yeah. bring you in. Uh, or do they just say no, no? Like this is a hardcore game, and like that's the way it's got to be. I think there has to be some sort of distinction to allow players to to play the game at all. Because I I equate it a lot to playing sports, and I know that 
like say say take volleyball for example i lived in san diego for a long time and there were there were beaches that had many courts set up all the time and it would be really tough for someone who was terrible to actually get on and ever play and have fun because there were such good players so same thing in in video games there needs to be a space where these shitty players can get together and play together <laughs> and me, actually yep. enjoy it no, well, I, wouldn't call them, I wouldn't just, call them shitty i'd call them well, well maybe they are shitty but mo- <laughs> most of those people are people just getting into the game you're learning yeah, there needs to be, I agree with you, there needs to be some kind of place where the beginners and the people who aren't familiar can go and learn it. And then when they take the training wheels off, basically go in and join the main game. Yeah, to me that's super important, because otherwise your game is only, it's only relevant to a certain number of players who who adopt it early and are all learning together at the beginning. You know, they're sort of terrible at the beginning. But then once that first chunk of players gets really, really good, that essentially eliminates the ability for more people to get involved. Is, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say that because Call of Duty, uh, you know, all the Modern Warfare games and Black Ops, there is no more new... There's. Uh, I should say, there's very little of that new game learning curve anymore. Mm-hmm. Because all of the games are so, so similar mechanically, uh, the guys who were really good at Black Ops are going to still be like insanely good at Black Ops 2, and it's going to take them like three days to figure out the maps and two days to figure out the gadgets, and then it's going to be right back up there in terms of that that uh, gateway threshold. Um, I, I think one of my favorite things is when I tell someone that I write about, you know, someone who doesn't play video games very much, I tell them that I write about video games, and they're like, oh, you must be really good at video games. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's no. That's <laughs> the opposite. It like depends I'm, on what games you're talking about. Like, I'm decent at writing. Like, that's the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing keeping this afloat. I'm Words with friends me. That's just <laughs> <problem. laughs> Yeah, that's the one nexus of my talents, I guess. Right. Do you, do you guys feel that there's a problem there with games that basically subsist on everything that's been built before, like, like Call of Duty, and and make it more difficult for players to get involved? Well, yeah, because then eventually the people you're going to lose people who just lose interest in those types of games, and you're not going to be able to replace them because anyone who goes in there brand new is going to be so goddamn frustrated and behind the eight ball that they're just going to leave anyway. Mm. So, so the problem there is you're shortening your core group of players, and eventually you may ha- you may not have enough players to have a substantial to have a substantial online community, or everyone gets so frustrated that they just leave and your game is dead. Now, is that ever going to happen in Call of Duty's case? No, probably not. But I, I, a lot of people will quit because they're just not they, – they can't do anything. They, they, they've never played a Call of Duty game before. They buy Black Ops 2. They go right online, and they play six matches, and they're, you know, 2 and 20, 5 and 19. Yeah, it's tough. They're like, they're, I don't even want to put in the time to, to get good at that. And that's why I think that something like GoldenEye was great because you, you played in your local – a group of gamers and you all kind of learned together and then maybe later you you got into like I played in a golden eye tournament once so that was cool because I got to see new talent later but the, there's something about the online community that <laughs> basically pits you against the best of the best every time you you, you mentioned tournaments there's actually there's only one or two two competitive tournaments I've ever been in 
One of them is fighting game. We talked about that. The other one, though, is a community that you would not expect a lot of competition, but really can be some of the most intense competition. And that's Bad. Pokemon. <laughs> really? Po- Pokemon competitive community. If you can get a group of guys who really care and really train their – that can get quite intense. I've had many an argument with a couple of friends over like how to train, what's the best move set, and stuff like that. You'd be amazed how in-depth Pokemon is now. But, and then they, 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 get, they grind and grind and grind to get these teams where they want them to be. And then they just go play competitively, either online using an emulator or they go to the Pokemon World Championships in Hawaii and take home 40 grand for winning the tournament. Wow. I'm not sure I understand that. Like an RPG where you can just grind and then you're better. Well, no, uh, that part that part I've that it's it's not all that foreign. It's the competitive part of it that's foreign. Well, see, that's Usually, what I'm saying is like a, wouldn't everyone just end up with like the top level? Well, not necessarily because you have <laughs> you have there's got to be team synergy too. Your team has to make sense. Okay. You can't just okay. go in. You can't just go in with the most powerful Pokemon because there's a counter for everybody. Dude, there's five no... Gengar all day. Uh, <laughs> actually, the game play. the game that inspired this podcast really is a perfect uh, response to that. Um, Sinan mentioned it. Dark Souls is an RPG. And it's incredibly deep in terms of character customization. There's lots of grinding to build a character, but what it comes down to in PvP is player skill using the particular build that they've created and using the weapons that that they've acquired against other players' whole loadouts and their skills and their styles of play. And it becomes incredibly complex, and it's... It seems like just a grind at the beginning, but it it's really way, way more than that. Plus, you add in all the other convolutions of the covenants and that stuff. And I definitely want to hear what Sinan thinks about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, for me, that's not what interests me about Dark Souls. And that's why I specifically said Demon Souls. Um, because, long-winded explanation follows, because... Um, with Demon Souls, you don't have the checkpoints, right? So mm-hmm. it is all about getting through each chapter. And death becomes much, much more important in, in Demon's Souls than it is in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's much more gutting in Demon's Souls. So that whole aspect of the messages and the ghosts in, in both games is much more accentuated in Demon's Souls because... Um, it's all this a big matter of trust, right? Mm-hmm. You see a message and you don't know what the hell. When you play that first game, like it's telling you, do you, you know, follow this for safety? Do you believe it? Do you not? Right. Is the guy screwing with you? Is he trying to help you? And there was no, there wasn't any way of knowing in Demon Souls. Dark Souls is a way of knowing with the recommends. I think that came to Demon Souls eventually. Well, at least when I played it, it, it there were people recommending it anyway. They were, right. There were as many sort of trolls trying to recommend stuff in Demon Souls. Uh, like they were laughing to... as they clicked it. Exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. He's going to fall and die. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I might be getting mixed up, and I'm not sure if I'm misremembering if there were recommends or not. But th- it were. doesn't really matter. They were okay. Yeah. So, um, so that that whole aspect of not knowing to believe these messages, right, and then seeing people die uh, right in front of you, and it was never ever 100 percent clear 
how they died. So it'd be like, I don't know if, if you, Dan and Jason, or even listeners are too familiar, but with Demon Souls, you'd see a bloodstain on, on the floor. Um, same with Dark Souls, you see a bloodstain on the floor and you can click it. And what it will do, it will show a phantom in front of you. Um, it'll be the phantom of that player who left the bloodstain to death, you know, by, by dying. And it will show this phantom uh, of the player and exactly, sort of like the last five or six seconds of what he did before he died. But you won't be able to see what hit him or what knocked him off. You'll just see, like, for example, this on a thin bridge, he'll, he might get, he might suddenly fall to the left. And you'll be like, okay, so does that mean he sidestepped or was there a giant axe swinging at him? You know, what the hell? Or is an and, enemy coming, like, going to jump out of the enemy? sky and hit me right there? So it just, it puts this huge amount of fear into you <laughs> because you're so paranoid going ahead. Like, what the hell is going to happen? At one point, honestly, for about five or six hours, I didn't touch bloodstains because I just didn't want to know. I was like, you know, I, it, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much information. So I've never, and I've never had a game. I can't think of any other game which does that. That 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 is like the most weird kind of multiplayer. Yes. Okay. The, I, I had a somewhat more. similar experience actually just yesterday. Um, I was playing Company of Heroes just because that's an amazing game, and. I went to go get into a multiplayer lobby. Like, I'm really awful at the multiplayer. So, you know, I was like, hey, I'll try to find a noob lobby. Sure enough, found one. 2v2 noobs, Karen Tan, whatever. Hop in that game. You know, I'm starting to build up my troops. I'm getting going a little bit. And then they just come in with an area. You know, total, like, these guys were pros. Like, they just set up a game that called it noobs 2v2. And there were two of them in there that clearly, had, you know, were incredible and I, I didn't check their rank until afterwards and of course they were like rank 50 or whatever and so they're you know well they, they probably played this game for you know three or four days worth of time and uh that was an experience where i was like hey you know what maybe i shouldn't trust anyone online ever anymore because <laughs> <laughs> that, i mean even if like you think you think that you could just trust in the like-minded noobs you would think that there's a you know a strong community of wimps who all can hang out and and have sympathy for each other, but even the the wolves will prey on them <laughs> to take advantage. Rough. Yeah, it was that fun, but I don't know, kind of a similarly interesting dynamic in that same way, uh, where you don't apparently know who to trust anymore, even in something as basic as what game to play. Yeah, there's there's a further example in Dark Souls. I don't know how involved you've gotten into the competitive aspect, the PvP aspects. And then it seems like you're you're more focused on the the cooperative or maybe not aspect of Demon Souls. But they really expanded the multiplayer for Dark Souls and their covenants, which are these groups that you join, and each one does something different. And one of them is uh, players have to defend this forest from other players going through there. So when someone walks through on another, you know, in another game, you can be summoned. So what you see people doing is high-level, like, strong characters just going and camping the forest, waiting for the people who are supposed to defend it to come there, and then just owning them. I remember when I got involved in that, I was like, oh, I just just got taken i just got ambushed and it was it was really rough so there there are these really exploitative methods of playing games like that 
It's crazy. Do you, I, I feel like you can't, you don't necessarily get that in fighting games, at least that I've seen. In fighting games? Yeah. No. I mean, really, the fighting game is very pure, I'd say. Yeah. Um, now, I, I mentioned it before. Uh, th- we talked essentially all about, I mean, a lot about online games. But that's one example. Like, fighting games, they're usually, you know, person against person right next to each other in the arcade sense. And then at that whole experience translated really well online. You still feel like it's just you and that one other person. Whereas in a lot of games, the online space is uh, it's, it's very anonymous. Um, do you guys feel that there is a very important distinction between local versus online multiplayer? Because personally, I find that I enjoy local multiplayer far more than online multiplayer for the interaction outside of the screen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the arcade aspect. Having someone next to you and seeing their reaction to whether you you beat them or the way they react to them beating you kind of adds to the whole element. Like, back in the day, Super Nintendo, Super Mario Kart, I never wanted to lose a race to anyone. That is... (laughs) I didn't want to hear you about it. You have to face it. them. Exactly. You have to immediately turn to your right as they have a finger in your face going, ha, 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 oh, you suck. Maybe you shouldn't pick Koopa Trooper, you dumb shit, or something like that. <laughs> we were, we were foul mouth little kids when we were younger. Um, so that, to me, because of that experience and growing up with that experience, that, to me, will always be preferable to online multiplayer. I need someone next to me. I need to, I need to see their despair. I need to see their the look on their face when they lose. I don't know. Maybe it's a sadistic nature or something <laughs> like that. But in the same token, it, it drives me to want to do better because I don't want them to see me having lost. I don't want them to see my despair. Oh, man. Is that bad? It's, it's, a, bad? it's a game of shame and, um, and I don't know, dominance, <laughs> gloating. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm a, I, yeah, I'm a bit of a trash talker. Okay. <laughs> How about you guys? Okay, so Sinan actually has to run. He's got a uh, some responsibility to take care of. We're going to let him go, but we just wanted to say goodbye before he disappeared from the podcast, and we'll just finish up uh, in his absence, unfortunately and sadly. But it was great to have you, Sinan. Uh, you know, it's always good to talk to you on any podcast. Yes, um, my, my pleasure, Eddie. Thank you very much for having me. So, Dan, what do you think? Uh, local, online, is there is there a really important difference there to you? Yes, of course. There's a huge difference. Um, I pretty much only ever play local multiplayer anymore. If I do play mm-hmm. multiplayer, um, eh, I don't know why that is. Maybe I just got sick of getting beat <laughs> by kids <laughs> online. Yeah. Um, for example, Mortal Kombat is is a a decent one. Like I'm pretty good among my friends at Mortal Kombat, and by that I mean like I'm the only one of my friends who's actually played like all the way through it. Um, so I'm very good compared to all the people that oh, I play. You mean so you were grinding and got better? <laughs> in, in some sense, yes. Yeah. Uh, I grinded my skills. Yeah. Uh, 
But then, you know, I tried to play online like once or twice. And I was like, well, this is just. You get stomped. It's horrible. Yeah. You just get stomped. There's just no mercy there. So, uh, for you know, that's just one example, but that happens all the time. The the Company of Heroes example, like, that's nothing new either, you know. I mean, I was a little bit deceived on that one, but still, it's just like there are no games anymore. I mean, Company of Heroes is, what, a two-, three-year-old game. Uh, and so there's just, like, no lobbies anymore for people who haven't been playing that game religiously. Right. Yet multiplayer... Uh, has never been as popular since since online gaming and ever so many people gravitate towards that. Yeah. I find that I find that really interesting. Um so yeah. I want to jump back. Uh I started to ask you guys what your favorite multiplayer games were and why and what elements really made them that way cuz what what we're trying to what I would like to know is what in particular about a multiplayer game, a particular multiplayer game makes a person love it. So I'm just going to start, I'm going to ask you guys, Dan, what what do you think would be your favorite multiplayer experience? Uh, it could be ever, this generation or ever. And why? What elements of it made okay, it that I way? Just, yeah, I'll need a second <laughs> to mull. I'm ready to go. Jason, if, if let, let us know then. Jason. Yeah, okay, do it. Yeah. For me, it would be going down the shore, going into an arcade, finding... Any a game for me it was you know obviously Street Fighter Tekken Tekken Two was a big one, Tekken Two was a big one. Putting my quarter in, playing the guy next to me. If I won, I stayed on. If I lost, I had to go back to the back of the line. You never wanted to go back to the back of the line, especially when the line was ten to fifteen people deep, and you're only allowed to be in the arcade for a couple hours. You want to play as long as you can, and as many people as you can. What one and and again, it's the people being next to you. It's not someone on their computer or on their console in their house in, in Nebraska somewhere, whatever. Right. One of my one of my. They're not safe. From yeah, your- right. <laughs> one of the one of my top gaming memories of all time is I was eight years old, or eight or nine years old. It was a Tekken two machine in an arcade on the on the the mini pier in North Wildwood, the one next to Maurice Pier, and I jumped on. And the guy who was playing, he just gave me like a sideways look, like, really? And my dad is like, are you sure about this? I just looked at him. I said, yeah, what ha- whatever happens. And then I went like 8-0. There you go. 9-0. Sick. And the first, dude I, the first dude I beat was like, you got to beat. And my dad was just standing there looking at him. He's like, he backed off. But like people, a crowd gathered. People started cheering. Oh, yeah. This, this, this little kid beating all these assholes attacking to us. Oh, man. Nothing will ever top that i know i had very very similar experience at uh playland arcade monticell probably way smaller arcade much less competition but my friend george and i used to go in there and we were like as tall as the buttons on the on the arcade <laughs> uh i remember having to use a chair and we would go in there with like one quarter and play for hours, and and yeah. the guys in there would just be like, "Oh, Shorty's got skills." Yeah, man. And this was this was Street Fighter Two when I was doing it, and that yeah, that was definitely a great experience. And you know, other things like that. You know, they may not be video games, but like I said, volleyball. I play a lot of volleyball. Two on two, you stay on the court. Say, get the hell off my beach, or or playing pool in the bar. <laughs> or yeah. or like ping pong at the Darts. summer camp that I worked at. That's yeah, whatever. That whole same thing of like the king of the hill sort of play has a, a huge appeal to me. And then on the other side of the coin, um, same arc, same well not same arcade, but 
going down the shore for the summer, same basic uh, situation, except it was House of the Dead, and me and Boyle would get a, stat, uh, a pocket full of quarters and try and beat the game. There you right, go. Uh, right there in the yeah. arcade. And we did it. We did it with two. We did it with three. And we got to the last boss of four, and we ran out of quarters. And I don't think we ever tried again. <laughs> Death like, is so sad. Last boss of four had like a sliver of health, and we just were out of money. We couldn't play. I'm I'm totally on board with that too, but I'm on board with that in terms of of the the core um, components of what you were experiencing. Because for me, it would be something like a side-scrolling beat 'em up, playing it with my friend. You know, and could be in the arcade because you know there's the the possibility of not succeeding. But it was most of the time it was at home on the NES, playing yeah. any of those old ones. River City Ransom is one of my favorite games of all time. And a lot of games like that, you know, going through just with your friend and and beating people up, throwing each other at the other guys, you know, just all kinds of things that you could do on the way through this this journey together. And that was always yeah, a great man. thing. Turtles in Time. There you X-Men, go. Yeah. Exactly. Simpsons. Yeah. Yep. All absolutely. of those. I think, okay, so I've got three answers here. All right, I was waiting for you to come up with something. Okay, yeah. So my arcade answer would be um, Jurassic Park The Lost World, which is one where you would sit in there, and it was two people, you had the light gun, and you just, I mean, you know, this is back early 90s or whatever, or maybe mid-90s, and, you know, the graphics were terrible and and everything, but I I just have a really awesome sense of nostalgia about, (laughs) about that particular game. It was also one of the first games that I played where the seat would move while you're doing it is you're supposed to like be in a jeep the whole time or whatever so uh, that was super cool um in ter- in terms of the mix and and the payoff the feeling of the just the individual payoff of the mechanics um i would say assassin's creed revelations mm-hmm. multiplayer is probably probably my favorite because um, okay. one because it's it's really unique but also because you actually feel like a hunter. You feel like you're outsmarting someone a lot of the times, especially if you get like a good, you know, hiding in a crowd kind of kill. Um, I mean, you feel like you just used your brain to, to beat someone, and that's kind of cool. Um, and then probably the game that I've played the most uh, in, w- with other people, um, mostly locally, um, is Super Smash Bros. Either Melee or Brawl, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just because it's really accessible. Yeah, like there, I find very few people who are who are gamers and are unwilling to play it. Whereas if I'm like, yo, let's play Mortal Kombat or something, they're like, no, 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 I don't play those games. Like mm-hmm. I'm not good at that, you know. But it's like Smash Bros. is like, oh, I can press A to jump and B to do this like game-ending move, you know. Like <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty easy to mediocre at that game right um and i like and i'm not insanely good at it either so all sort of an even even playing field there nice. I, I honestly wish more fighting games or multiplayer games were like that where they're just you know more inviting right. <laughs> i don't you know it's give, just uh, like I, like mario kart go ahead yeah yeah get, yeah mario kart you're gonna give playstation all-stars a whirl yeah for sure he already did. Well, true, yeah. he did. Dude, he as Big Daddy, the whole world. Yeah, I was doing work. I mean, I have to imagine when we played at E three, it was probably just super unbalanced because yeah. anyone who played as Big Daddy was just destroying. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, what? Yes, no, no. Obviously, I get the argument for making a game that is difficult to master, and then once it's mastered, there's some real payoff there for the hard view. Um, but I don't know. I just wish there were more, more inviting games, right? Um, in terms of multiplayer, right? I agree. I've got some more. Um, like I said, GoldenEye was a big one for me. It seems like most of my competitive ones, most of my competitive multiplayer experiences, like Jason, I prefer to be face to face with my enemy uh, in, in local, you know, local competition. So I was all into GoldenEye fighting games I was into at a time and and even something like like uh like Mario Kart 64 was probably the biggest of that series for me. Um oh, yeah. And then for mo- online uh it, really the most I've been into a multiplayer game and it's not even your normal multiplayer game since online multiplayer has really been the thing has been Dark Souls, and people really wouldn't think of it as a multiplayer game until they've sort of become, I would say, like an expert or, or a veteran at the game. I'm personally, I'm at Soul level 97 now, so I can I can play with really good players and still get my ass kicked. But it's fun because I've built something on my own and then taken it out into the world. You know, it's not just, we're not all working with the same tools. So it's like, here, this is what I've put together in my, in my uh, headquarters over here, preparing to go out and fight whatever's out there. And I don't know what's out there. In other games, I kind of know exactly what I'm going to be facing. This guy's going to have one of these five guns. In, in something like Dark Souls, this guy's going to have any permutation of these thousand pieces of equipment. <laughs> yeah. So, for that, um, that combination well, of, of single-player uh, building building of my character and then that competitive aspect like, sort of tacked on at the end, but not tacked on because it's it feels like it's an integral part of the experience, uh, that that's, appeals to me in an incredible way. And I haven't played a ton of it, but um, at least Demon's Souls strikes me as a game that, although, yes, it's an RPG and you can get better weapons and, and armor and things, uh, it seems like it's pretty skill-based, too, the combat. Yes, very much so. I mean, you're, yeah. you're working how many buttons to play that game. You got both, both of the, all four of the shoulders are, are controlling your hands, and you've got a roll, you've got a jump, you've, and you've got, you know, your regular movement plus a lock-on. So, I mean, it's almost like a, a competitive fighting game. You know, like a 3D fighter, but with yeah. a lot of weapons. It's like Soul Calibur, but super complex, <laughs> and a lot more involved, and a little bit slower paced when you actually fight but not slower paced when you get to the really high level because you can die in like a half a second in some fights. So, last thing, um, now that we sort of understand what drives us in our multiplayer gaming, uh, we know that there are always new concepts coming out. Like you mentioned, Assassin's Creed, which is a pretty new concept for multiplayer. And obviously I've been talking about Dark Souls because I can't... I'm I'm obsessed. But um, what sort of... (laughs) 
what do you want to see next? What are you excited to see, and what do you look forward to playing? You know, in future games, like how do you how do you want to play with people in in your video games? Hmm. Well, I mean, other than if you get okay. yeah, go ahead. If you guys need time to think, uh, one example that I've always wanted and now is finally coming true is uh, the idea of Dust 514 operating oh, yep. operating on in like multiple modality, multiple genres of gameplay inside of one larger cohesive world. And if you don't know what Dust 514 is, it's a it's a multiplayer shooter based in the world of Eve Online that is tied to the real-time sort of grand strategy of the game. So to me, having that foundation makes it far more compelling to play because I feel like what I'm doing is important as Mm. opposed to just, like I said, there was a disconnect in something like Call of Duty. You're essentially placed in an arena and it doesn't mean anything because you just you respawn, you play the next match. It's all about matches. It's like one game of ping pong. You know, it's not really that pivotal to my life. But in something like Dust 514, I I feel like there's real consequence and real impetus for me to to play and do well and and motivate me, make me feel like like it's a great you know like like an important thing. So I want to see more like that. You know cross integration of of different yeah. games would be so cool. Well, I think SimCity is definitely going to do something similar to that. That's I mine. mean it's not, it's it's not like two different games, but it's super super integrative, right? Yeah, well, like right. we're yeah. we're we're one city, like a cluster of cities can affect that little ecosystem, but then all of the cities affect the entire SimCity worlds like Yeah. The, the the economy, I guess you would call it, or whatever that that sounds nuts. I can't wait for that. Right, and it can be collaborative, and the the good thing about it is it's not mandatory and it's not separate. So it's a part it's part of that if you want it to be, and it's seamless as part of that single player experience. But it's you don't have to do it. Although right. it seems like you would want to, so that you get some of those wonders or whatever. But um, I think drop in drop out co op. As simple as that is, and as often as that term gets thrown around, really have yet to see, I think, a, a polished version of it, or the version that I, I would want to see, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you excited Evil, for Resident Evil 6? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I haven't... I didn't I didn't see the thing in E3, but I, I mean, for what I've seen, yes, I am excited for that. Um I think you know you've more so adventure games though. Uh, when I say adventure games, I don't mean point and click adventures. I mean uh, like action adventure, fantasy. Like uh, Fable Three was an ambitious project for that, right? And they're saying, yeah, no, you can have, and you could see the ghosts of other players walking around in your world, and you can presumably click on them, and then they could just hop in. But it was like when they hopped in, they like lost all their gear, and the yeah, and and like the the quests and things had to change, um, so it was a different. It, it wasn't like a seamless thing where you could just be like, "Hey, friends, come on, bring your stuff, bring your character into my world, and we'll have fun." It was uh, it was a little bit cumbersome. Uh, um, so I feel like the first person who's able to do that, especially in like an open world fantasy game, I'm gonna be super happy about that. I mean, 
as much as I don't like that it's not that it's taking, I don't like that it's taking away from the horror aspect a little bit. I mean, you got Dead Three that they're doing drop in drop out co op that also looks really ambitious. They're saying you can do the exact same thing in single player and it won't negatively you know it, there's there's no adverse effect to playing by yourself or playing with another person you'll just lose some dialogue or something like that like yeah. there's some specific dialogue um, that happens if you're playing co-op right yeah and well and the the cutscenes seem a little different too there's you know mm. moments where you would stop and talk or whatever but I, I mean if they can do it well good on them i have a hard time seeing it working out well but right well, Mike, so what do you, you think, Jason? Well, he said SimCity. I'm really, yep. really looking forward to that. Um, and I also, while I was sitting here, I was just thinking about uh, Smash Brothers 4 and how you know the Wii, the Wii U can use the tablet controller and the four Wii remotes and nunchucks. And if they can bring in compatibility for a second Wii U controller, that's a total of six players. And if you recall, in Melee and Brawl, when you were doing those crazy melees against those purple, like... Like the, the 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 the, not like they weren't they were looked like characters but they weren't there was there was you and five others so six on one screen at a time, could they make it so that uh, it goes from four to six, on one screen in one match at one time? Can they expand that to bring two more people into the fricus? That'd be crazy. It, I mean, it's crazy now. I can't imagine how much how much more it, nonsense it would add if you bring two more players into the mix, but that's. That's that's just a, a pipe dream. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Well, no, it, it's you, presumably okay. So the Wii U is going to be HD, so that means the uh, aspect ratio, I guess, will, you know, it'll be such that they can do widescreen well. Mm. Um, so you would have more room on the screen. I mean, there's, there's that. True. Well, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. That'd be cool. But as far as like what the, what I know is coming soon, um, the Resident Evil drop in, drop out, and the intersecting storylines that create four player co op out of two two player co ops, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm like, really excited like, for that too. Branching st- that would be uh, an interesting thing to think about. Branching storylines that bring in multiple people at multiple times and randomly pair you into a mission. So like if there's a game with like six protagonists and you're playing and you activate the online bit as this guy. Um, eventually you'll come to a mission where player one meets with player four and all of a sudden it's a, it's a two player co-op mission. And when the mission's over, you separate again. How about watchdogs? Yeah. The the potential of watchdogs is crazy. (laughs) That could be a completely open world co-op game at all times. We still don't really know that. That would be amazing. I think that would, that would sort of cover what you're saying and kind of what Dan's saying. Right? Is that what you mean? Like being dropping into another yeah. person's whole game oh, yeah, well, seamlessly? Yep. Yeah, I think there's real potential in Watch Dogs. Definitely seeing some good stuff from Capcom and Resident Evil 6. Sim City's looking great. Sim City's looking great. Dust 514. Right? So, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. I'm curious to know what, what Gamer Node readers like in their multiplayer. So, if you've got, you know. A spare minute, let us know. Put it in the comments. Uh, tell us what kind of multiplayer is your favorite now and what, what you look forward to. I think that would be great. We could talk about that for, you know, weeks. Um, but I guess that, that really covers what we wanted to talk about. Uh, multiplayer gaming, big thing, big deal. Um, also, I might as well tell you about what else we got going on. We're, we have some new articles that... I'm pretty sure most of you will enjoy. 
like a podcast, we have Counterpoint, where we argue about stuff. Um, you can check that out. And as always, we're doing the Sandbox every weekend, talking about what games we've been playing. Um, so you can see a lot of that there. Jason's got hot off the grill every week. Yep. And of course, a lot of news coming in. A lot of reviews. We, we've been really going on all cylinders here at GamerNode, so definitely check that out. This Everything. Yeah. Spoiler alert week. on the next uh, counterpoint. Uh, my argument is so rock solid that nobody has disagreed with me yet. I just haven't had a chance to, to the point down. where, <laughs> To the point where nobody has responded at all. That's how <laughs> right I am about everything. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to talk about GoldenEye on the Wii. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> just, to, yeah. just to back just, that up. Yeah, I'm just going to be a huge dick. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. That was great. Glad to talk to you again. Sorry we Absolutely. had to lose Sin in a little bit early, but it was good to it's talk to him too. Thank you, sir, if you're listening. Um, and that that would be Versus Node 25. We'll see you the next time. Woohoo! See ya. See ya. See ya.